What is going on, everybody? Welcome into Cash It. I'm Howard Bender. I've got Adam Ronis here by my side. Super Bowl in the rearview mirror. NFL, we can put it way on the back burner, at least until we get to the NFL draft. It's all about baseball. It's all about fantasy baseball. It's all about, you know what, the NBA picking it back up after the All-Star break as well. So uh, fully in the swing of things here. Adam, what's going on, man? How are you today? Doing well. Definitely in the heavy prep for fantasy baseball mode, doing a draft champions league, got the TGFBI draft kicking off on Monday, 15 team slow draft. That's NFBC style. I've had pretty good success in that league. I got pick number four in that one. They did the KDS today. Uh, Then I got labor mixed league auction in West Palm beach a week from Sunday. And then two days later, tout wars. So already a bunch of drafts. And then obviously later in March, I'll have a NFBC. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm doing the auction or main event or both potentially and home league draft GST. So a lot of drafts <laughs> coming up. You got it all. Your dance card way, way full. I am, uh, I had, a, I had a step away from labor this year because I couldn't make it to the, uh, to the, the draft down in Florida. And uh, and then, you know, they, there wasn't any room to to move me out. I can't make tout wars either in New York. So I had to switch out of that AL only uh, auction draft and go into I ended up in the uh, the the draft and hold, which is like doing a draft champions, uh, it, which it also makes for some nice prep for the TGFBI because uh, 11th pick in the uh, draft and hold for tout wars. 11th pick in uh, in TGFBI, which uh, I, I I gotta be honest with you, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the uh, of the uh, the 11th pick. I kind of feel like it's it's not terrible yet, but so I, I'll tell you what. Here you go. So for the 11th pick in Tout Wars, um, Otani the hitter, because in in Tout Wars, folks, it's Otani's two players. He's not one. You draft him as a hitter and a pitcher. So I drafted him as the hitter there. Uh, with the 11th pick, uh, Bo Bichette, uh, Matt Olson, uh, Alec Manoa, and then I uh, and then I went and I grabbed a little Gunnar Henderson, get myself a little rookie third base as that position uh, was starting to uh, to dry up. And you know what? I don't really know if I'm going to have you know too many shots with uh, with with grabbing Henderson. I wanted to have him. I've always been a, a sucker for rookie third baseman. Um, and I feel like, you know, the draft and hold is at least a good spot for him because, well, yes, I'm throwing down a fifth round pick and, you know, getting him kind of right where his ADP really is. Um, you know, I figure that if uh, if he does struggle and maybe they send him down for a little bit or whatever and they bring him back up late in the season, you know, it's draft and hold. So I'm not, you know, killing a roster spot the entire year. You know, these things kind of just happen. I can't do anything more than with the 50 guys that I get. And that was what, round five? Round five, yes. Okay, that's a little early for me. Yeah, I thought I thought I figured it was kind of like a round early um in, in this one here, but I'll I'll tell you what, I I'm glad that I did it because you know, you you know you get validation on a pick. Uh, when somebody DMs you immediately after you make it and saying, oh, I really like that Henderson pick, he wasn't going to make it back to you. 
Then I felt good about it. Mike Alexander uh, at Rotowan on uh, on Twitter uh, hit me up immediately after my pick. So I felt very validated with that move. <laughs> I mean, third base, dude. Third base is guard. And I'll tell you what, we're we're gonna actually we're gonna be breaking down uh, the catcher position in more detail. We're gonna go position by position for you know the next couple of shows. And just kind of go through it, but at least from uh, from from this standpoint here, you know, third base for the draft, just not a really great spot. I mean, yeah, I could I could definitely wait on you know on on some guys, take a shot with Matt Chapman, um, you know, who's just meh at this point, and he's uh, he struggled in uh, in in Toronto since going there. Um, Eugenio Suarez, Alec Baum, I don't mind Cabrian Hayes, but. Again, sitting so far over on one side of the field uh, when so many other people out there need some corner infield help. Uh, I, I, I liked it. I had I, I felt the need to do it, Adam. I had to do it. And some, you know, I always say this to people. If you want a player and you don't think that he's going to come back to you or you're worried about whether or not he's going to make it back to you, I don't see anything wrong with taking a guy around early. No, I don't either. I just think – I do think third base is more top-heavy and it does – get a little thin, but I always believe that you don't need to reach on a position just because you think there's scarcity there. It allows you to maybe be better at a middle infield or corner infield spot if you feel there's a better player on the board. So I'm just not going to reach on a position. That's just something I've learned because um, I think sometimes that happens to people. They're like, oh, this they're so scarce. I got to get this guy. And it pushes players up at the position that don't deserve it. I think it's happening with Alex Bregman. He's solid, but I feel like people are pushing him up because third baseman is thin. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. Like in um, my last one, I took uh, Alec Bowman round 13. And I'm good with that because we started to see Bowman increase his launch angle last year in the second half. If you look at last year's numbers, like, oh, yeah, there's not much power there to that. But he's a young player that's improving in a good lineup and good ballpark. So I feel like there always will be someone that you can find later in the draft. Uh, so if everyone else is going to push players up because they think the position is thin, I'm just going to go in the opposite direction. And, uh, you know, if I like, we know shortstop is deep. So maybe right. I'll have two shortstops in the first six or seven rounds. I don't care. That's That means now I'm stronger at the middle infield spot compared to everyone else. And if you're in a 15-team league, you're probably going to be weak somewhere. You don't want to, but if you're in a very competitive 15-team league where a lot of people know what they're doing, you're going to come out somewhere light, whether it's the catcher position because you have to start two, saves because they're so scarce. Um, so that's the way I look at it. And I kind of feel the same way about second base. Like that's how I view second base. There are a number of second basemen like later on um, who I think that I can uh, I can take and I can be happy with, um, and, and I think I, I just I like that I, I I push second base down like that. So I didn't feel like I was reaching on Gunnar Henderson because of you know just because of the position. It's obviously he's also the player. He's power speed. He's also potentially uh, going to be able to throw me a, a 350 OBP. Um, I think he's very underrated in on base percentage leagues as well. So. Uh, multitude of reasons there, but yeah, I mean, looking at a guy like, you know, second, you know, if, if I'm looking at second base and I'm looking at a guy like Jonathan India, 
You know, I'd be perfectly fine going after uh, Jonathan India or, you know, even like later on in the uh, in the game, you know, like a like a Tyro Estrada or or even a Luis Arias, um, Gavin Lux down further. You know, I think that the, uh, that's how I view that. Again, third base for me, I just I've always been, you know, it's it's the the, the kids at the hot corner. I mean, I could go through. Man, I could go through like a string of guys that would just—I mean, you would laugh. I mean, remember, um, remember Garrett Atkins? Yep, for Colorado. Hank Blaylock. Mm-hmm. He had some good years <laughs> in Texas. Adrian Beltre. He was one of my guys. I mean, Beltre. Yeah, he had the great early season or rookie season, or was it the second year? He had forty-seven home runs. Then he kind of slowed down, and then he became really good again. And obviously, he was a great defensive player. Yes, uh, defense doesn't matter. But there, but like those, that's like the run of third base, like the rookie third baseman that I just, I always lock in, and I think I can get some good power speed there from uh, from Henderson. And I like the, you know, I like the fact that I've got guys who get a hit power uh, for decent power and going to be able to steal some bags in uh, in Otani and Bichette uh, and now Henderson because Matt Olson ain't stealing any bags for me. He's definitely not, but elite elite power. Elite, elite power. And now I just made, listen, I just made my second pick here. Uh, my, a pick during the show as we were going on right now. Uh, I followed up Gunnar Henderson with another youngster, a little older though, in Logan Gilbert. Very, very excited about what Gilbert brings to the table for sure. Yeah, a lot of those Seattle's pitchers are kind of going pretty early with Luis Castillo, uh, Gilbert, Kirby. So there's yep. excitement there for the Mariners staff. Yeah, this this range of pitchers is uh, is pretty interesting here. Glass now, uh, Tristan McKenzie, Hunter Green, uh, like you said, Gilbert, Kirby, Lodolo. And that's like that's before you even start tapping into the veterans. I mean, I'm just kind of looking down the uh, the list here. And granted, this is you know, these are these are the the rankings as used by um, by fan tracks that I'm just looking at right now. Uh, where these guys are grouped together, because that's also that's a big deal for a lot of people. I think that that some people don't understand that. And I think we've touched on this before. Uh, when you draft on the same sites over and over and over again, you're so used to what their draft room looks like or whatever, that if you go into someplace new like this here is on fan, fan tracks. And I don't you know, I'm not, you know, I don't really play anything on fan tracks at all anymore. Um but yeah, I mean, you just have to look for you know which pitchers are uh, or, or which players overall are kind of pushed down a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, what I do is I'll never draft solely on the software, so I'll my rankings are on FantasyAlarm.com, so I'll just print them out. I'm still a pen and a pad and cross names off as they go because you just don't want to be in a situation if you're just relying on the names in front of you. There's always going to be players that are buried for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, especially younger players or maybe players that sign late, they're going to be buried and you don't want to be in a situation where you're in a draft and then someone makes a pick and you're like, Oh shoot. I didn't know he was available. <laughs> and obviously that could happen in a slow draft even more because uh, it's a, it's, you know, a two week draft and maybe you're not paying as much attention and you're like, Oh damn, I got to make this pick quick. Cause I got to go. And you're just kind of scrolling and, uh, you just need to make sure that you have everything in front of you um, because they're on every platform, every software, there's going to be players that are buried. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. I think you and I, I can't remember. We were, we were doing some sort of a, I think we were doing a mock draft 
at some point and we were on RT sports and we just got hammered with like, you know, like we was just looking deeper and deeper. Oh, it was like, I think it was with a, with a bunch of closers. Yeah. They were all like solo. Right. Yeah. Like Taylor Rogers. I remember it was like Taylor Rogers was like all the way down at the bottom and like, not even like ranked. It was crazy, crazy. Um, all right. So, I mean, that's, what's going on right now here in, in this draft. Um, like I said, what Adam and I want to do is we kind of want to dive in a little deeper. You know, you can go to fantasyalarm.com and check out the uh, the MLB draft guide. Um, like Adam said, his rankings are available. My rankings are available. This whole thing, it's, it's all free, too. Um, and then, uh, and then you know, listen, all the strategy articles that are there, um, we do position-specific articles. We talk about, you know, uh, you know each position has a, uh, has a specific author assigned to it. And uh, and they talk they talk about everything from you know who the top five are to you know what the uh, the depth at that position is and then maybe some late round value adds at the uh, at the end of who qualified the position so lots of great stuff out uh, over there you're definitely gonna want to go and check that out it's fantasyalarm.com slash MLB draft guide but you can also just go to fantasyalarm.com and you'll be able to see uh, everything on there so. Um, all right. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about the, uh, well, let's go to the catcher position here and we'll just kind of, kind of highlight that because, you know, there are two things. I mean, there are my, I, I've got my rankings up there. I've got your rankings up there as well. And then I always kind of look at that, you know, early NFBC, uh, you know, ADP that they've got just to kind of, you know, get some eight, you know, some, some ranges, some number ranges for, uh, for guys. And, and I think it's just best to just kind of like, you know, break it down into tiers. Overall, catcher position for you, Adam. I mean, you know, there are so many people who uh, who who talk about the uh, the tight end position being the you know the catchers are the tight end position of fantasy baseball. I, I got to be honest with you, I I kind of agree with that statement for a, a certain amount. But first and foremost, dude, why are we still doing two catcher leagues? Um, I mean, it's been around, and it just it does make the strategy more important, you know, you got to decide, are you going to invest? Are you not going to invest? You're going to go with two crappy catchers. So uh, I think it's just because it's been something that we're used to and it does create more strategy. If you did just one catcher, then I think you'd see people wait on the position a lot. Yeah. Well, with the, with, with a couple of minor exceptions, like a tight end position, there's Kelsey and then there's everybody else. So if you look at the, you know, the, the catcher position, if it's a one catcher league, I think you're still going to see guys like Joe Mudo, uh, Varsha, Will Smith. I think they'll still go, you know, early as well. I mean, you know, where they're going right now. I mean, what, what am I seeing? I, Real Mudo third, fourth round in some leagues. I guess so I'm going the second round of 15 team. Yeah. He goes second, third round. Varsha goes in round three. Um, Cause Varsha, also eligible in the outfield, but you're clearly using him a catcher, but he's going to play the outfield. So you're getting a guy that's going to be a catcher that's not going to endure the wear and tear and will be out there quite a bit and steals bases. Yeah. So uh, what what kind of a player are you? Do you uh, do you reach for the catcher position or what? No, nah, I want one if I can in the um, Wilson Contreras, Alex, Alejandro Kirk. William Contreras range. I want to try and get one of those. I did in my first draft with Contreras. My second one, I didn't. I had to wait on the position. I didn't take a catcher until around 17. 
but ideally I'd like to get one solid one um, if I can. And that's probably going to wind up being around seven or eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like I see in my recent draft, William Contreras went round eight. He went before I went, but um, I don't mind him. Uh, Wilson Contreras, Kirk. So I can get one of those guys or Sean Murphy, uh, MJ Melendez too. So like that kind of range is where I'm looking at. And then I'll wait on the second one. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at last night's uh, labor mixed league draft also. And right there, William Contreras, Alejandro Kirk, Wilson Contreras, MJ Melendez, all in the seventh round. That's a that's a nice little spot there. Adley Rutschman fell to the sixth round, which I was I actually found a a little bit surprising because in my uh, in my Tout Wars mixed league draft, he went. early fifth round. So more than just a full round ahead of him. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of subscribe to that philosophy too. I'm looking for, I'm looking for catchers who aren't going to kill me in batting average, which is obviously something that, you know, far too many catchers do. So, you know, I look for somebody who's going to have, you know, some pop don't kill me in batting average. And then of course, you know, you want it, you want you want the guy on the uh, on the heavier end of a you know of, of a platoon. You want him catching five days a week. So. Yeah, ideally for sure. Um, and you know that's why you see like Ramiro goes early because of the stolen bases, um, and he's coming off a great year. He was twenty twenty. Um, mentioned Varsho going early because again he's playing the outfield. Uh, then you get into guys that uh, have some flaws. Uh, yeah, like a ton of flaws, (laughs) like a ton of flaws. You know who I do like, and I I will say this. I was actually talking to, uh, Jim Bowden about it yesterday. It's Tyler Stevenson from the Reds. And, uh, and and I kind of like Cal Raleigh from the Mariners as well. And those guys are kind of pushed, you know, relatively far down, like ADP wise. Uh, if I'm looking at those guys, I mean, they're, 125 between 125 Stevenson at 125 uh and uh and Cal Raleigh at 152. Yeah, I wouldn't mind double little double tap of the late guys right there. I like Stevenson. I had him last year. It's just he had some concussion issues and injuries. That's been the big problem with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, um and Riley, you you do have to worry about batting average. The power is really good. I had him in a couple leagues last year, got him in some draft champions leagues really cheap. Um, but 29.4% strikeout rate, 211 batting average last year. So yeah, 27 homers and 119 games is nice. Uh, but 211 batting average. Um, and I really don't see how it gets better unless he cuts down that strikeout rate. He does walk quite a bit, but even in OBP league, still just 284 last year. So that's the issue with him is you're going to have to account for that batting average. Uh, and I know, well, his batting average balls play is 226. Well, he's a guy that has a low batting average balls play because he hits a ton of fly <laughs> balls, 55.7% fly ball rate. So if your fly ball rate is that high, you're going to have a low Babbitt because you're, hit, you're, you're hitting into a lot of easy outs. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I, I will say this as far as like the strikeout rate, um, he did have some really solid moments as, as the season waned on, I think, you know, I think he, uh, you know, he, if, if you look at it, just like a month by month breakdown of, uh, of, of what was happening for him, 
you know, he definitely pulled back. June was a nice month for him. August was a great month, you know, and I feel like, I mean, if you just look at, you know, the, the, the second half numbers, uh, slightly better than the first, but still, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the beginning of the season, what's he, I mean, he opened the season with a 32% strikeout rate. And then in the month of May, it went up to 41.3%. So, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're dealing with, you're starting off major league in the hole <laughs> with regard to batting average right there. So to see him actually have some improvement as the season went on, slightly encouraging. I do like the power there as well. If he is going to give me that low batting average um, and, and it forces me to, to grab a guy who, you know, like a Luis Arias, who doesn't really contribute all that much in power or speed, but you know, gives you some decent batting average to sort of offset it. You know, if you're if you're dealing with you know that that big of a roster, then it's not the uh, it's not the end of the world. But all right, who do you like uh, down below here? If you're gonna pick on and grow the warts on my guys, who are you looking for? Well, I mean, Riley's a guy that goes top twelve, so I don't think he's a guy that's down. Is he? Is his ADP got him as a top twelve? It's close. I'm trying to see where he went in my uh yeah, he went around twelve of one of my recent drafts. Really? Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't know if I want to reach that much. Who you uh all right, so you, you grab one guy in the uh in the Contreras Kirk Melendez range. Okay. How far down do you go for the uh for the second catcher? Um really depends on the flow of the draft, but I mean Christian Vasquez is okay. Uh-huh. Um, I think, um, a guy like, uh, he's going really later, but Luis Camposano from the Padres, I think he can wind up getting more at bats than, uh, a lot of people think. I know Aaron Nola's there, but I don't mind taking him later on. Um, and you don't have to pay a high price tag at all for him. Uh, Logan O'Hoppy is an interesting name, but I don't know if he's going to start the year with the angels. You know, I've, I, I don't know much about him. I really don't. I should obviously dive in a little bit. What do you know about him at all? A pretty good hitter. I think he's actually a Long Island kid. Um, but there's talk about him uh, potentially being up at some point this year. I I thought that there's a chance that he makes the opening day roster, but pretty good strikeout rate, um, good walk rate in the minor leagues, um, hit pretty well, little power, even stole some bases. Uh, so there's a chance that he's with the big league club. If not at the beginning of the year, then maybe early on. Okay. So I did take him in one draft champions league already, but I understand that he might not be, re- uh, with the team opening day. I mean that, that for, I saw that you grabbed him in that first one, but I mean, how far down was that? I mean, that was really far down. Yeah. Probably 20, 21st round. I mean, a lot of the catchers after that, I mean, you got Nick Fortes from Miami, maybe, <laughs> Elias Diaz, because he's in Colorado, maybe he has a bounce back season. Uh, Christian Betancourt from Tampa. So, I mean, you know, it's you're talking a lot of bad catchers at that point. It's a quiet position. Yeah, Definitely I mean, it's, quiet it's, position. it's better than it was last year, though. At least I think if you're if you're in a league that starts one catcher, then you really don't need to worry this year. Like, I think there's enough good talent at the position. I mean. In a league where you start one catcher, you're good with Sean Murphy, William Contreras as your starting catcher. 
Like what's, what's the advantage, like how big of an advantage is it to, you know? And, and I think that, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, if you just compare it to fantasy football and, and the advantage of having Kelsey over, you know, Austin Hooper, I mean, it's, it's massive there. Um, but talk to me about the jump, having real Mudo, Varsho, Will Smith, you know, having the, you know, one of those guys versus having a Murphy or a Stevenson or a, or a Cal Raleigh type, like how notice, how noticeable of an advantage is it for you? It's not, I mean, just like anything, right. You, there are multiple ways to win championships. So I saw some teams last year, like in the high stakes leagues, I think the guy who won the main event, his number one catcher was Will Smith. So you go, okay, wow. You know, he had a a good catcher, but then there were, there, there was a team that had Carson Kelly as their number one catcher. So that was in the top, five. So it all comes down to it's just if football is so different than baseball, because you don't have as big a starting lineup. So that Kelsey obviously makes a massive difference where you got 23 starting spots. So I can see a team that has one elite catcher and one decent one that can do really well. And I can see one with two subpar catchers because they're so strong everywhere else. So I don't, I don't think it makes a, a huge difference um, overall because it really comes down to the rest of your roster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yes, the, the roster size is, uh, is definitely significant that uh, somebody who's, you know, like that mediocre catcher, like you said, you got to be weak somewhere. Being weak at your second catcher position is probably the, the most ideal spot to be weak. Um, as long as, you know, and again, you don't have to wait too long for, uh, for a, a decent guy, uh, at that point. So I mean, just, you know, overall, I mean, to me, it's just, it's not a position that I, that I, I like to overrate, like, you know, I'll, I'll be a, a full advocate of taking Travis Kelsey in the first round, hundred percent fantasy football, but I don't, I don't really feel the need to take G2 Romuto in the, uh, and even, even in a two catcher league. Uh, to take JT Romuto in the second or, or, or third round. I mean, I really, I I, I don't. I, I love Adley Rutschman, and if he falls to the sixth or seventh round, then I'll be, you know, psyched to grab him. But, yeah, I'm, I'm of that mindset as well, that this is just, you know, you don't have – you don't have Joe Maurer with, you know, potential speed or and batting average. You don't have there's, – there's nobody out there that's, like, really – you know, some sort of a, a, a true dominant force. And I never, I never was in on Joe Maurer for the record. I never drafted Joe Maurer. I never liked Joe Maurer. I just, I, I, I understood why people were doing it. I thought they were making a mistake. I didn't think that the advantage was that significant. And I think that's really kind of what holds true now. Yeah. A guy like JT Rumuto steal a couple of bags, but you know what? I can get some, some fucking schlub outfielder like Tyrone Taylor to, to steal some bags and then I'll pick him up off the fucking waiver wire. I see why people take Rivero. I can't do it. I mean, he was 2020 last year. So to get a catcher that's 2020 that bats 276 over 504 at bats, it's a big deal. And he drove in 84 runs. So I see why. But like in that range, though, I just feel like there's better players. So again, you could show me a team that Real Muto helped win a championship, and I could show you a team where someone waited on two catchers and won a championship. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so it's really the totality of the roster. It's easy for someone to say, well, I drafted real middle in the second and I won my league by 15 points. 
I'm like, okay, well, I had two catchers drafted after round 15 and I won my league by 12, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> that's the thing with baseball. There's just so many different ways to win. And that's the problem is you just don't want to follow one like, Oh, well, this guy did it that way last year. Well, it's a different year and things change. Wise words right there. Things change, <laughs> but I tend not to pay up for catcher and the earliest I'll take one is probably round seven. Yeah. And I, and I, and I'm in agreement with that. And, you know, as I'm sitting here watching the draft and hold going on and, you know, a bunch of catchers, uh, obviously off the board here. Um, I, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be able to build up in, uh, in other spots. I actually have to start hustling my ass up on, uh, on some outfield that, uh, kind of missed out on some outfield there with, uh, with Otani just being utility. And I was like, oh shit, you know what? I should have probably grabbed some outfielders. That's that a tough a- spot. Outfield's a tough spot to get caught up in and not. Yeah. Out. It's, it's, it's pretty I mean, because you have a lot of platoons late. That's the problem. I mean, you're talking about a 15-team league where you start five. That's 75 right there. And then utilities and bench. Uh, and there's 90 outfielders starting in baseball. And a lot of them are platoons. So yeah. that that's the biggest issue. It, outfield gets uh, thinner quickly than more than you think. No, no, no. I'm looking at it right now. And I'll tell you, we're, we're midway, you know, we're almost midway through the sixth. And if I'm just going by what the site has here, uh, Brian Reynolds, Byron Buxton, Yelich, Marte, Santander, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Seiya Suzuki, Tyler O'Neill. So you're already you're already down. You're already down a couple of tiers uh, into this group. It's definitely down. I mean, it's still buildable, but shit, man. There's a lot. There's a lot of sinking feelings down there. Once you start looking, I don't want to have a. Uh, I don't have my uh, my my outfield filled out by uh brian de la cruz and mark canna <laughs> mark canna is he still with your team yes <laughs> how psyched are you about what the mets about, yeah i mean i'm not feeling it yet but you know I should be once we get around no no no, no, no. that's fine that, that that is a perfectly valid feeling you should probably hold on to that I know. Yeah, thanks. You should probably hold on to that. Shit's just not going your way. Really? It's, it's going to be a bad year for the Mets, is what you're saying? I, I feel like it is going to be a bad year for the Mets. Okay. And and that's gonna that's gonna knock you into a fit of depression. Okay. What would depress what? you? What what would depress you more? Like the Mets just looking like trash the entire year, right? Or Knowing that I got to hang out and have drinks and, and conversation with Michael Irvin. The Mets. I'm I'm over the Irvin shit. You're a piece of <laughs> shit for doing what you did. <laughs> Some fucked up. Of all the fucking years, I've gone to I went to two FSGAs last year. I know in 21 they didn't have it in person. In 20, they had the first one before COVID, and I was there. So I went to at least three in a row, maybe four. I don't know. I think alarm has sent me to everyone except this fucking one. And then I fucking see Michael Irvin is there. And I've said this. I really don't get starstruck. I really don't care about meeting athletes and famous people. Maybe it's because I've been in locker rooms for NFL, MLB, got to interview 
players in person, got to interview Chris Bryant, Mike Moustakis, Drew Brees, you know, even famous actors, Jamie Smoot, George Lopez. I got to interview Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I've got to interview. And I always said, like, athletes are just like you and me. The difference is they have seven figures on their paychecks, maybe eight. So it's like, whatever. I just don't really – I'm not that big. There's only a handful of people that I really want to meet that I would get excited about. Kobe Bryant would have been one, so – that sucked that I never got to meet him or even see him play in person. But Michael Irvin was my favorite player on the Cowboys in the 90s. Uh, I have 88 in my email and certain numbers because of Michael Irvin. Uh, he was, to me, the emotional leader. I'll tell you, your, your Instagram handle is Aaron88. 88. Yeah, 88. That's my <laughs> number. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, you got Des, I mean, Michael Irvin, Des Bryant, CeeDee oh. Lamb. So, 88's a big number for wide receiver. Irvin's my guy, man. I loved Michael Irvin. He was so emotional on the field. Like, I felt like he was the inspirational leader for that team. I like his personality. He was my guy. Um, you know, and I, I, I played wide receiver. So I always loved Michael Irvin and identified with him. And then to see him at the FSGA and you sending me fucking pictures and Lisa Ann and then scrolling through. So, and I was on the air with John and Pepper on the better sports network. I was like, John, hold on. We know. I went off. <laughs> I'm like, can you believe this shit? <laughs> and you know, John. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm like, no, John. <laughs> <laughs> Look what they're doing to me. And then Lisa Ann told me, yeah, let's take pictures so we can troll Adam. And she's like, no, let's take pictures. Cause we want to take pictures with Michael Irvin, not to troll Adam. <laughs> So you're fucked up. <laughs> so yeah, I was over it until you fucking brought it up. But yeah, I'd be more depressed about the Mets because that would be six months of misery where this is a week or two. And I thought I was over it, but you fucking opened up a wound. I, I thought, yeah, there you go. That See, that that's what I'm saying, you know. I'm going to have to send you that picture at least. No, I'm blocking you now. Oh, my God. You, you want to know what team can, can, can I can I rub salt in the wound a little bit more? Come on. Can I please? Please. Can I? Yeah. Just kick me while I'm down. Nicest fucking guy on the planet. Like cool, down to earth, like engaged in the conversation, not just like looking around and shaking everybody's hand and trying to figure out where like right there. Like you had you been there, you would have like had a full conversation. Like I had a conversation with him. I was talking to him about, um, what's it called? Bowden said to me, he was like, Oh, I had a, you know, he preached at the chapel, the reds chapel when, uh, when I had Dion there. So I brought that up to Irvin. He was just like, he's like, Oh, boss man for the reds. Yeah. I remember him. We started talking and he was just like, he was just such a good, easygoing guy. And then, you know, then he goes into the game room, that, that trophy smack had and there's fucking Irvin shooting hoops. There's Irvin playing fucking beer pong. I mean, it was just. Dude, he is like literally like the nicest dude in the world. Like that was, you know, they say you do. You don't want to meet your heroes. He's he wasn't even my hero. And I was just like really good fucking down to earth guy, man. I am. A, I am definitely a fan of Michael Irvin. Not the Cowboys, though. That's fine. But yeah, no, nah, Irvin was absolutely my favorite player from the Cowboys in the 90s and definitely one of my favorite players of all time. I just felt like he was that inspirational leader. He brought fire to the team. He made big plays. Uh, he was the guy. Yeah. Oh, well, spectacular to meet him. You know, and he was just so nice about the picture. He even asked me, he was like, do you want a picture? 
Of course I do, Michael. Of course I do. Why wouldn't I? I'm going to send this. And we even said it. We even said it right there to Michael Irvin. We were like, we're sending these. We're, we're so happy to send these to, to our friend Adam, who is like your biggest fan. Lisa and I got a huge fucking kick out of it. Yeah, I see that. That was the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, see? I feel, yeah. like, I feel like this whole thing was a troll job by the company. Like, oh, Michael Irvin's going to be there? Yeah, don't send Adam this shit. <laughs> the company troll job. Yeah. That's what they're trying. So are we sending Adam this year? They're trying to figure out ways to make you quit so that they don't have to pay unemployment. So so they're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Are we sending Adam to FSGA this year? We always send them. Um, Wait, hold on. Is Michael Irvin going to be there? I heard that there are some whispers. (laughs) Yeah, don't send him in. That's his favorite player. Let's stick it to him. Oh, God, that was great. Oof. Oof. All right, let's wrap things up with. <laughs> yeah, even. I'm glad you. I made your day. Uh, you, were a, you were not in a great mood before this podcast. Now you can't stop fucking laughing. It's in the shittiest mood before this yeah, podcast. I'm good. I'm good. I, to cheer your day, I'll make mine shittier. Thanks. <laughs> That was great. That was great. See, now, now like, you know, you're going to have to go and do a show with um, uh, with Fensty and you're yeah, going to be all curmudgeoning. Put, put me more in depression now working with Fensty. <laughs> I'm going to go off. I'm going to do a show with Jim. And I'm just, oh, I'm gonna, he's just going to want to talk baseball, baseball, baseball. And I'm like, no, I got to tell you about this story again. I've already told it on the show once. Now, now I get the, the follow up to it. Oh, my Lord. Oh, I'm crying over here. I'm crying. Ooh. All right. So yes, let's let's uh, let's wrap things up with a little NBA talk. Uh, we're recording here on Wednesday, first day back from the All Star break. Um, was uh, is is Thursday? So big nine, not big, but nine game slate uh, for Thursday. First of all, I mean, how was how was the All Star weekend for you? Did you watch any of the stuff? Did you watch the I hear everybody's crapping on the slam dunk contest. No, it was good this year. Oh, okay. I mean, like in general, people always did. I didn't check in on what was going on in the all-star break. I just figured I'd ask you. Yeah. No, they had uh so the Sixers recently signed this guy, Mac McClung from the G League, and uh six two white guy. And he was phenomenal. He won the dunk contest. And you could see it. I think as people started doing research and saw some of his dunks, they said, yeah, this guy's going to win. Because he was like an underdog. And then he finished like minus 120, I think, to win it. And he did. I mean, and he converted all of his dunks on the first try. So um, they didn't have any big names in it. That's been the problem. Um, But he definitely brought, brought some juice to it. Um, for the three-point contest, I had given out three guys that I liked, and I had three wagers. Um, I had Buddy Heald, who had won it a couple years ago, and I had money on him the year he won. And I had uh, Larry Markinen because they were in Utah, and mm-hmm. I, I thought maybe he'd have a shot. And I had Damian Lillard, who did win. So I got Damian Lillard at plus 380, and he won. Um, I didn't bet on any of the other stuff. I wanted to bet Paul Gasol in the Rising Stars game. I think they were plus 160, and they did win, but I didn't get it in. Um, 
And then the All-Star game obviously was not great. I saw the ratings were way down. You know, there's never any defense and people have been critical. Uh, I know Mike Malone, the coach of Denver, said that's the worst All-Star game he ever seen. Uh, LeBron had to leave with injury. Giannis had a wrist injury, did not compete in the uh, skills challenge, and then started the game, scored on a dunk, and then left. Um, and then he went for to get his wrist examined in New York, and he's going to miss some time. They don't think it's serious. There's just some swelling. Of course, he heard it in the game on Thursday when I had him in a parlay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then DraftKings Wait, was that, that was the same that was the same night that I met Michael Irvin. Fuck you. Um <laughs> that night to uh oh wait, can I get in trouble? For saying fuck you? No. To you, because you're technically my boss. Right? <laughs> so, uh, how I'm many gonna, people get to I'm curse your boss I'm, on I'm, podcast? I was I was gonna just write you up for insubordination and handle it behind closed uh, Shannon, doors. Please but... edit this out. We don't need any proof. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, <laughs> she's not gonna edit it out. She hates me too. Um, those... Dude, I I think you would have been fired if you didn't say fuck you to me at that okay, point. Cool. I just want to make sure. I shouldn't have said anything. Anyway, so that Thursday it was the TNT Fanduel risk-free same game parlay. So I think they didn't offer a refund because they're like, well, people are getting their money back. DraftKings offered a refunds for all bets involving Giannis that night. Um, Yeah, it's so stupid. I've talked about this. It's like, this is what they do. If it's a nationally televised game and it's a big name player, you get a refund. Otherwise, you don't. I mean, it's so stupid. Um, And it's not good for new bettors because they're going to start. Well, my guy got hurt. I want a refund. That's not how this fucking works. Okay. (laughs) Like you lose, you lose. It's bad luck. It happens. You lost it. Um, but yeah, I know we talked in the last podcast about parlays. I did hit a plus four or nine parlay, but six of my last seven parlays that I have lost have all been my one leg. So I had a same game risk-free parlay that Thursday night with the Clippers and who did they play? I can't remember the Clippers and someone. And the one leg that lost was Kawhi Leonard to score 20, which, oh, Kawhi Leonard scored 20 easy. He started the game 0 for 10. He didn't score in the first half. He wound up finishing with 16, but um, but yeah, uh, the, you know, the NBA second and a half should be exciting. You know, Kevin Durant should make his debut with the Suns soon. And obviously they're favored in the West now because of that trade. It's really bunched up. You got the Lakers. Are they going to make the playoffs? They have a tough schedule upcoming. They're two games out of the 10 seed, uh, but they strengthen their roster at the trade deadline. You have the Luka Kyrie pairing. Uh, what is that going to do for Dallas? And then in the East, you know, Boston's in first, uh, only a half game ahead of Milwaukee. I still like Milwaukee in the East, uh, but if Giannis misses time, maybe that prevents them from running the one seed. Uh, but it'll be pretty interesting. And, you know, there's only like 20 games left for each team. So it's not like the midway point. Mm-hmm. So we're we're getting close here to the end. Um, but, yeah, the West is going to be very interesting now because, you know, the Clippers made some moves. They're sitting in the four seed, Phoenix, the five, Dallas, the six. I could see both those teams, uh, specifically the Clippers and the Suns, passing the Kings, who have probably been the biggest surprise, sitting at the three seed. No one thought they'd be there at this point. But the Suns have already played better basketball recently before the acquisition of Durant. They've won seven to ten. Devin Booker recently came back. So uh, Suns are going to be the team that I think everyone picks to come out of the West. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's, you know, when you talk to anybody about winners and losers at the trade deadline, everybody went bonkers over what the Suns did and uh, and put it together. What are they, uh, what, what's their line on, not just to, what's their line on just to finish, uh, to come out of the West? I think it's like plus 150. Okay. Let me see. But I, I, I know the trade deadline, I think it, after the trade deadline, it was like plus 350 or something they, like that. Still. So the, the day of the trade deadline, they were plus 1900 to win the title. So if someone saw the, had the foresight to say, Hey, they're going to oh, make a big move. Shit. I'm gonna put that something on crazy. Them. Right. Yeah. And I did see a couple people say, yeah, I just maybe, you know, the books obviously are very quick with that stuff, but I think there might've been a couple that were up there. And uh, some people like, yeah, I just grabbed plus 1900. They are plus 425 to win the title on DK Celtics are plus 275. I take the bucks at plus 550. Over them, um, over again, both I, of them. Yeah, I like the Celtics. They're good, but I like the Bucks, man. When the Bucks are completely healthy with Giannis, and they haven't really been the whole year. They've been playing without Barbie Portis. Chris Middleton is still on a minutes limit. He has not played more than twenty five minutes since he's come back from injury over the last couple of weeks. So once this team is whole and they acquire Jay Crowder, a good veteran presence. Um, you know, Joe Ingles missed a lot of the year with uh, coming off a torn ACL, he gives them a, a nice three point shooting presence. So I still like Milwaukee um, to win the conference. The Suns are the favorite at plus two thirty five, then Denver at plus three ninety Clippers plus four fifty. I mean, people are going to talk about the Warriors. I, look, I will not bury them and not get them out, but they have been mediocre all season long. They're 500. They're 22 and seven at home, seven and 22 on the road. Curry's still out. Yeah, they're dangerous, but you know, they just haven't shown much this year. They're not the same team defensively. Uh, and right now they're in the playing game, but they're only, they're only a game out of the six. That's why the West is so interesting. Like it is so bunched up from the, the three seed and the 10 seed are separated by four games and the three and the Lakers who are 13th are separated by six. So there's going to be a lot of movement and that seating is going to be pretty critical uh, to see how far you go in the postseason. All right. The East, the East is not as interesting. Like I, I'd be stunned if we don't get the top four teams in the semifinals. Okay. All right. So the chalk plays in the East, and it can kind of get a little mix up and a little crazy in the West. Yeah, I mean, you it's could have. That's exciting you could to have watch. First, at least you could have a first round matchup of Phoenix Dallas, Kyrie Irving versus Kevin Durant. Huh. There you go. <laughs> a little, little added drama to it there as well. Yeah. So I think the West will be a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, I guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see how everything kind of ramps up as always. You guys can check out uh, Adam's prop article over at pickswise.com uh, to get your NBA on in there. Um and then keep an eye out. I think we're, we're going to also, in, in addition to breaking down positions for fantasy baseball, um, I think it's also a good time to maybe talk about some wins totals uh, that we want to look at for, uh, for the season coming up. I don't necessarily know about, I mean, we can, we can, we can sprinkle a little Cy Young and MVP early talk there, but I'd rather talk wins totals uh, based on what we are, uh, what we're seeing from these teams right here in the beginning of, uh, of spring training. So Lots more to do it then. We'll uh, we'll make sure that we uh, we leave some time. Today we're up against our shows uh, and recording them there. So we'll figure it all out, peoples. We'll figure it all out. But in the meantime, Adam, any final thoughts? 
parting shots. You wanna you wanna see some? Uh, no, nah, never mind. I won't tell you anything. I won't tell you any more Michael Irvin stuff. Yeah, I won't, thanks. I won't, be, I won't be mean to you. Yeah, uh, yeah, you were mean enough this entire podcast. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I'm just lashing out, man. That's that's really what it comes down to. It's my own my own demons, my own inner frustration with things going on in the world, and and I'm just lashing out on you, Adam. That's that's kind of what happens. That's what I, I, I'm pretty sure. That's what love and friendship is all about. Is you know, you being able to accept those moments where I uh, where I'm just lashing out. I'll do my best. Well, with that kind of an attitude, man, then I am not going to send you the uh, <laughs> Dear Adam letter that Michael Irvin wrote out on a cocktail napkin for you. Yeah, I'm sure he did. You would have sent it by now. It, gotta, no, why would I do that? Oh, I got to like laminate this shit, put it in there. Imagine Michael Irvin's handwriting saying Dear Adam Ronas. Yeah, I can put that on my wall. Could. You could. Indeed. That way, when you're doing like live streams, we can see that handsome mug of yours on one side and boom, right over your shoulder. The playmaker present you ever got. I didn't I didn't get it for you though. Sorry. Yeah, I know you did it. <laughs> I can't count on you for anything. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. You know you can count on me to give you a fucking hard time. That's what it's all about. All right, we'll catch up with you guys all next week. As always, thanks for listening, liking, and subscribing to Cash It Podcast. For Adam Ronis, I'm Howard Bender. (laughs) We'll catch you next time.